Huh? Whoa, whoa, whoa. <sighs> you gotta be fucking kidding me! No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 They they were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, hmm, they, they didn't stop to think if they should. Yes. What? What, what am I missing? Is there a problem? Uh, hope cleaned. About time, too. I mean, we <clears throat> let the right one in. Oh, oh my God. God. You're fucking kidding me. I, I knew we couldn't trust that interloper. Oh, God. It's all been organized. I can't believe it. There she goes again. She's tidied up and I can't find anything. She blinded me with science. Uh, no, no singing. She even threw out that nest I made for Clark Nova out of chewed up paperbacks and uh, other substances. Oh, thank Christ, God. That thing reeked. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, guys. What? Wait, what's with the. Oh, right. It's because I cleaned up your little clubhouse, isn't it? I had to do something. The dust was hell on my allergies. Look, if I'm going to be stuck here, I don't want to sneeze myself to death. Did you stop and think for a single second? about the damage to our aesthetic. It's irreversible. Like my large, imposing British raincoat. What a bunch of piss babies. Don't lump me in with them. Whatever, I was coming in here to tell you, I found some old mail that looked pretty important. It's got final notice stamped on it in red. Yeah, that's how you know it's vitally important that it be ignored even harder. Ugh. Anyway. Blah, blah, blah. Dear occupant, blah, blah, blah. The city redevelopment agencies identify the TBD shopping plaza, blah, blah, blah. The potential urban blight. And the council will consider condemnation. Condemnation? That's our sole purview. At its next session in July. July? Um, it's December, Any guys. objection or complaint must be filed with the city no later than 30 days from receipt of this letter. Absent any such filing, should a condemnation be made, occupant will have 60 days from the date of determination to vacate the premises. Yours sincerely, yada yada. Well, okay, we've got a month to decide if we want to do anything, but that is only 43,200 minutes. No, we don't. This letter is dated three months ago. I found it under a pile of old Doritos bags. I was saving those. Here's the other letter. Humana, humana, declared condemned in absence of objection or filings from the owner. Demolition is slated to begin. Wait, wait, wait. This date is today. What? Oh, my oh, God. God. What? 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 Summoning the spirit of David Lynch? But he's not dead yet. Details. Uh, surely you can't mean assassination by atomic super robot. No, don't call me Shirley. I said proper fashion. Denial, avoidance, and escapism. Ooh, my three favorite Ds. Of course that's your solution. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Which brings me to the only appropriate means of anesthetizing oneself from the apocalypse. Cartoons! Yeah. Adult cartoons. Ooh. I like it. Post-apocalyptic adult cartoons. What? Ooh. Uh, uh, bullshit. I don't buy it. There's no such thing, okay? <laughs> That's where you're wrong, my young 
apprentice. In 1977, Ralph Bakshi released Wizards, which is what you get when the underground comics of the 70s meets an independent animator whom 20th Century Fox is armed with a budget big enough to keep him and a stable of artists allegedly swimming in various psychoactive substances. Allegedly. It's got fairies versus mutants, magic versus technology, anti-fascists versus Nazis, all set millions of years into a post-nuclear apocalypse future, and features backgrounds from the legendary grimdark graphic artist Ian Miller, without whom Warhammer 40,000 would never have existed. Same. Hey, all of you know Ian Miller is an artistic genius, and Games Workshop is a national treasure. A horrible, brutal national treasure. Oh, sure. Like you need more national treasures. You've got everyone else's national treasures in the British Museum. Holy shit, this sounds amazing. Better than what I see on the internet. Right? What are we waiting for? Put it on. Brownies, anyone? Ooh, I'll take two. <laughs> I'm not taking any food from you, weirdos. Uh, I'll have another one. Huh? Oh, uh, I, I wouldn't eat quite so. Um, oh, you've already eaten the whole thing. <laughs> oh, well. But what about that? We'll deal with it later. That's what you said about my store. And now you're gonna... Within the depths of the strip mall of the damned lies a spiffy video store long since shuttered. Past the clean shelves, empty save for, well, nothing really. Beyond the spotless bat-wing doors guarding the sepulchre where once was kept the perverse and heretical, a secret society assembled to scrutinize those films rumored to drive their viewers to madness and dissolution. Draw closer, dear listener. Let your trembling ears up upon the eldritch knowledge of the Cinemania Society. We, the 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 Please be seated. Now, before we get started, uh, what? <laughs> You're introducing wizard? Oh, yes. Uh, sorry, I got distracted because for some reason I can no longer recall what color my name smells like. <laughs> uh, don't forget to warn people, we have salty language, adult themes, Kids, turn this shit off and ask mum and dad before you go any further. Mmm, salty. Uh, where are the Pringles? I could murder a can of curry flavor Pringles. Oh, that sounds amazing. Wait, yes, on to wizards. Hope, you're Master Castigator this time. Why me? I don't even want to be here. I think you're the only one who can read in a straight line right now. <laughs> Fine. I'll do the thing, as long as you promise to deal with the whole condemnation situation. Fine, whatever. Read the list of charges. <clears throat> charges against the film wizards include gratuitous fairy nipples, gratuitous Hitler, overuse of stock film, overuse of hasty rotoscoping, flagrant abuse of wah-wah guitar, shameless inclusion of OCR typefaces, bigotry against radioactive mutants. They're not inherently evil just because they're mutants. Depiction of an overly phallic wizard's tower. Overuse of exposition for expensive, difficult-to-animate things happening somewhere off-screen. Being about as edgy as a well-manicured hedgerow. Caving to the whims of George Lucas 
in removing war from the title. Extreme lack of subtlety. Heavy more of a vibe than an actual story, per se. Uh, actual trigger warnings for this film include fascism, Nazism, violence, misogyny, and giant fucking pencil eraser sized fairy nipples. Thank you, Auntie Hope. Now. Wait. What happened to our roll call? We're supposed to do roll call. I'm Professor Andrea, scholar of San Francisco. Repositor Andre, voice from the outer world. That's not how you do it. I'm Profligator Daniel, possessor of the word. Scrutinizer Zachariah, guardian of the door. Verifier Andy, master illuminator. Ahem. Uh, oh, yeah. Auntie Hope, keeper of the books. What is this, an episode of fucking Voltron? Fine. Sinquisitor Ethan, keeper of the lenses. There. Done. Now, who wants to read the first part of our summary of Ralph Bakshi's 1977 animated classic, Wizards? Whoa. Okay, this brownie just kicked in. All right, I'll take the first part. All right. You know, we're told this is an animated film. But right after all this hyper-futuristic OCR credit text... We start out with a live action opening. There's big old leather books sitting on a cracked hard pan. All right, this is a story within a story, par for the course with us. Anyway, this book tells us the history of the future. Our story takes place 10 million years after a devastating nuclear war on Earth. With no sunlight during that time, any surviving humans mutated into, well, mutants goes without saying that said mutants are evil. This is a kid's film, after all. Then again, not far into the film, there are also fairy prostitutes eliciting mutant clients, which makes you wonder what kind of parents thought that this was suitable for young viewers. Mine. That's whose. Mine too. Oh, God. 70s parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Another shocking development after the already shocking nuclear war, shocking, I tell you, we learn about the existence of magical creatures who have been living in hiding during human times. Look around you. They're probably right there. You just can't see them. Anyhow, after humans nuke themselves into near oblivion, the magical creatures use the opportunity to spread out a little. A little breathing room, if you will. Don't worry. That's what we big kids call foreshadowing. Moving on, we're told all the fairies, elves, dwarves, pixies, gnomes, pretty much the full cast of any Brian Froud book you can think of, resettle the less radioactive parts of the Earth's surface. The largest of these kingdoms is an idyllic land called Montagar. Why? Because fuck you, that's why. Nuclear Holocaust has its perks. And oh, are they perky. Just wait, you'll see. Anyhow, Montagar's society runs on magic. The only technology is nature. It appears magic is much better than technology ever was. So this is an underground comics reference, and this is uh, this is a, a big nod to Von Baudet's Cobalt 66. Um, this entire setting may as well have been in Cobalt 66. But yeah, Von right. Baudet is one of the, the underground comics artists at the time, who was actually friends with Ralph Bakshi, apparently, um, before he died in 1975 from autoerotic asphyxiation. But, but well, the film was in production then. Anyway, um, <clears throat> one way or the other, 
Oh, what a way to go. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I guess more people are into that than we even realize. They, uh, you, can, you can see a lot of nods to Bode's work throughout this whole thing with, like, you know, uh, Cheech Wizard or Erotica. Those are all coming. Should I continue? Yeah. All right. After 3,000 years of peace, Delia, queen of the fairies, falls into a trance and wanders back to her hut, where she gives birth to two twins. Not three What's twins? It? No, two twins. <laughs> that, is, that is not how birth works. You the know number of the twins, twins shall be two, and no more than two. And two three shall write out. Did anyone writing this film ever give birth? That is not how it works. You never fall into a trance and magically have babies. Hurts like fuck. One is a large uh, Germanic fellow who looks like he might be into bodybuilding. The other is a small Danny DeVito-esque looking child. I feel like I've seen this movie before. <laughs> Just kidding. All right. One's a normal, angelic, chubby-looking bubba straight off the Gerber label. The other's a gaunt, creepy mutant with red eyes who lacks all flesh on his forearms. Yep, just the good old Radius and Ulna hanging right out there. You're probably asking how he's going to move his hands without any of those muscles. Shut up and don't ask dumb questions, kid. It's a cartoon. Magic. Here These comes two... that charge of lack of subtlety, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. And in accordance with cartoon law, of course, one of these twins will be evil. Which one, though? We'll have to wait and see. It's that was a, a big twist in the in Such a mystery. Danny DeVito was actually the good guy, right? Right. These two are the eponymous wizards of the film's title and are, of course, mortal enemies destined to kill each other. The good twin is named Avatar, and he's kind-hearted and very skilled in magic. Yet later, he's also a dirty old man with a voice like Columbo. His mutant brother is Black Wolf, who likes to torture animals alone in the woods. We don't have any insight into what Mom was thinking by naming him Black Wolf, but even if you're not a nominative determinist, you've got to know that there are some serious villain vibes with that name. Black Wolf is also good with magic, but he has a hard-on for technology. World War II technology, to be precise. In case you missed it, this is more foreshadowing. Anyway, at some point, when they're basically the wizard equivalent of teenagers, Mom dies and Avatar and Black Wolf have a duel. Avatar wins. Black Wolf leaves, but vows to one day take over the kingdom of Montagar to make this planet where mutants rule. We'll assume he also said it'd be one where fairies drool. They were teenagers after all. It's also worth noting that all this exposition is told through a sequence of mostly monochrome still images drawn in pastels, not actual cell animation, and is narrated by what sounds like a cataclysmically stoned Janis Joplin voice double. How stoned, though. I mean, this woman is <laughs> bored as fuck. Oh my god, yeah. She looks like... You Her know. voice monochrome. <laughs> now, I, I think I read that this is actually Ralph Bakshi's wife who did the video I, on this. Yeah, I think you're right. I read that too. I think she's going for sort of portentous, but she comes across as just very slowly and boredly reading the lines. Fast forward 3,000 years, Black Wolf apparently rules his own kingdom. A grim 
dark land of grim, dark backgrounds drawn by the king of grim, dark fantasy art, Ian Miller. Appropriately called Scorch, which for some reason is spelled with a T. The T is how you know it's evil. Is T evil? I'm oh, asking sure. the Brit. Blame the T. <laughs> well, I mean, like... it was the cause for the opium wars. I thought it was the whole taking over India and subjugating them just so that you could have hot leaf water for breakfast. You, you don't need to discuss historical misunderstandings. Dried leaves boiled in water? India. It was China, too. <laughs> That's true. But I thought they were more green tea than the black tea. Yeah, but did they have a flag? <laughs> I don't believe they did. No flag, no country. Right. Here at about five minutes in, we have our first sequence of actual cell animation in the movie so far. Black Wolf, now a gray-beard, gray-skinned tyrant, still with fleshless forearms, is seated on a throne so evil-looking it would make Skeletor cringe. He issues a kill order to a trio of assassins. These are mutant robots. Which are they? Mutants or robots? Both. Wouldn't that make them cyborgs? Living tissue of a metal endoskeleton. Uh, probably best not to think too hard about it. Anyways, the assassins are charged with the duty of stalking and killing believers in magic. Only one of these guys looks even marginally competent. Necron 99, the red uniformed radio antenna headed guy with the sinister yellow eyes from the movie poster. Mounted on a bipedal mutant blob horse. The three assassins ride off through Scorch, past the aforementioned ferry hookers, through a barbed wired no man's land, sort of a fantasy DMZ which contains the ghost of Puff the Magic Dragon, and, more foreshadowing, an army mustering for war. Until the backgrounds change to something less grimdark and more magical smurf for us. Presumably, this means he's reached Montagar. Now in the land of fairies, Necron 99 ventilates a low-rent Papa Smurf reading a manifesto talking about technology to a group of children. While elsewhere, the less cool assassins kick down a door and machine gun a room full of elven aristocrats signing a treaty. All this murder is accompanied by a groovy lounge jazz soundtrack, which is what you'd want too if you were a callous, cynical, mutant assassin gunning down garden gnomes in the far future. A while later, Necron 99 stakes out a position high on a hill looking down on a pair of elven warriors who themselves are mounted on slightly less sinister looking bipedal blob horses. After Necron 99 snipes one, a chase sequence ensues. Necron 99 pursues Weehawk, the elf, across the Smurf forest and through some fern gullies, blasting away with his submachine gun as the soundtrack blasts away with a Mugen wah-wah guitar prog rock soundtrack. Weehawk wheels his horse, whips out a bow and arrow. Wait, doesn't that still count as technology? Nah. And puts a shaft through the brain pan of Necron 99's blob horse. If you're still under delusion that this is a kid's cartoon, you should note that there's a lot of blood and popped eyeballs out here. Necron 99, now Sans Horse, stalks through the forest and finds Weehawk praying over the corpse of his own blob horse. How it died is anyone's guess. Yeah, really. We we don't <laughs> see the we don't see anything happen to that horse. Like we don't yeah. see fucking anything, and suddenly it's dead. Maybe it had a stroke. Who knows? 
Necron 99 somehow a master of concealment despite being dressed in a neon scarlet onesie. <laughs> onesie, yeah, no doubt. Readies his SMG, but he gives himself away by stepping on a twig. Ah, snap. Weehawk whips out a sword, charges into assault range, and he and the assassin tumble off a cliff and into the drink. Bubble cut to an extremely phallic, crooked dong of a wizard's tower dangling off a cliff over a river, penisly. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying it's phallic? Uh, Just a little dickish. (laughs) Just a smidge. Uh, I think they cocked up the animation a bit there. (laughs) Just a wee bit. Just the tip. Something you might want to, uh... Excuse me, we're having a conclave in here. Kindly fuck off. There are some gentlemen outside with some paperwork. They're wearing suits. Tell them to go away. That's a thing. I can't. They have a manila envelope. Those fiends. Andre, why don't you set your atomic super robot on them? Uh, (laughs) well, uh, here's the thing. Uh... Remember how I told you I downloaded the entire internet into Robbie? Oh my god, you did That's not gonna be good. Like I said before, do you want an Ultron? Because that's how you get an Ultron. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well... Uh, Can't you just have Robbie walk over there and intimidate them? Um, no, not really. Well, what's the problem then? Well, I asked it to start generating AI art of the strip mall, of the dams. Uh, it's the TBD shopping plaza. How many times do I gotta- AI art? How very dare you. I'm Master Illuminator. I'll handle all the art we need, you traitor. It was an experiment. (laughs) Nothing to worry about. All he started doing was generating dot matrix printouts of cats and and, and porn. After he ran through all that gatefold paper, he ground his gears until he overheated and shut down. Did you try turning it off and on again? Yeah. Duh. Watch. My god, it's full of porn. See? There's always Clark Nova. Oh god. See, that's just what I'm talking about. It would work. Like Crumb, you're right. We don't have to intimidate them. We can just drive them off in confusion and disgust. Clarky, Clark Nova. Here boy. This better be important. I have some important nodding off to do. Who's a good boy, then? Who wants a treat? I've got some uncut bug powder just for you, little buggy. Oh, oh, is it me? Am I the good boy? Oh, look at his little legs. So cute. Oh, really? Now, okay. I just want you to go out front to where those men are and start reading the Dr. Benway Operates bit from Naked Lunch for them. Do you think you can do that for me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Give me a bump first. <laughs> no, no, no bumps until you do the thing. Go on. Christ, Charlie, would you look at the size of that cockroach? Damn, that lavatory's been locked for three solid hours. I think they're using it in an operating room. Then Way picks up a toilet plunger and advances on the patient. Take an incision, gonna massage the heart. <laughs> I've locked the door. 
Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. What about Clark Nova? Hmm? He's still out there, all alone, out in the cold. No? Nobody tearing up? Nobody? If there aren't any further interruptions, let's get back to the conclave at hand. I've got an interruption. Where'd you hide the booze? I didn't understand this movie at all, but I still came up with a themed cocktail. I call it a weapon of mass destruction, or a WMD for short. Ooh, what's in it? Mountain Dew and moonshine, garnished with a Twinkie, since you can probably find all those after a nuclear apocalypse. And it has that fun, glowy, green nuclear waste color. <laughs> Weapon of ass destruction. <laughs> that is pretty funny. Back to the conclave at hand. At the mightily erected Tower Phallus, we meet again Avatar, now a stunted, cigar-chomping middle-aged man. He hangs out with the president of the kingdom, Montagar. Wait, wait, hang on. It's a kingdom, and they have a president? But he wears a harlequin mask and his daughter's a princess? What the fuck are they trying to say here? Is it like the UK? Royalty and parliamentary democracy? It's a cartoon. Just stop asking questions and roll with it. But I have so many questions. Shush, shush, shush. Ah, fine. Anyhow, Avatar is hanging out with the ahem, president and his daughter, the half-fairy princess Eleanor, up in the mushroom tip of his dick tower. Eleanor has crinkly fairy wings, an entourage of birds, and an outfit that looks like it came from Fredericks of Hollywood. It looks more like that episode of TNG where, where they try to kill Wesley for breaking a window and they go to this planet and everyone's just wearing handkerchiefs. <laughs> really what was it called? Does. Justice. Justice. It's in, it's in season one. Oh, I remember that. That was like the horniest <laughs> episode of TNG. <laughs> but just saying a lot. There are a lot of horny episodes uh, that yeah. first season. <laughs> Yeah. Fully functional. I think they had they had the budget to to costume about eight people, and they had to costume thirty. So like <laughs> handkerchiefs for everyone. Oh my. They 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 redconned it by saying, "Oh, it's a very liberal and sexually free society. Unless right. you break the window, then we're gonna fucking kill you." <laughs> right. Remember the perky we mentioned before? Here they are. The perky nips on the animated character is something you just can't unsee. Her outfit could only possibly be more revealing if it was a couple of sequins and a cork. Those been... nips could cut glass. <laughs> like pencil erasers, I'm telling you. Oh my god. It's hard to keep track of her expositional dialogue here due to the highly distracting amount of cheesecake. But frankly, we think that's more the writer's fault than ours. No, really. No, really. <laughs> no, really. Really? Really, really. I mean, just, dear Lord, it's easier to keep eye contact with Elvira. What little we're able to follow is that apparently the president and Avatar are debating whether to keep up with Black Wolf in the arms race, before Avatar reminds everyone that science and technology were outlawed millions of years ago. We also learn Avatar is... <clears throat> training Eleanor to become a fully-fledged fairy. But what we see in their relationship leaves the kind of training pretty open to interpretation. He goes into a monologue about the before times, 
while Necron 99 climbs the vine veins or vines, viney veins up the side of Tower Phallus. Wouldn't that be the uh, shaft? <laughs> uh, yeah. Yes. I don't know if any of you have ever seen Disenchanted on um, Netflix, but Avatar looks just like the king from Disenchanted. The yeah, red hair, the giant really cigar. Does. Yeah, he does. Yeah, As Avatar smokes a cigar with his toes, he transitions us back into more of that series of pastel still image exposition pieces with the board slash stoned woman narrator. We learned that Black Wolf spent millennia studying the black arts. Nice. Black arts? Who'd ever have guessed that someone with a name like Black Wolf would study black arts? And has been gathering an army of mutants and evil magical creatures like orcs, goblins, trolls, etc. All managed by demonic generals called up from hell. So you're saying he's managed a wholesale recreation of the U.S. military. This all sounds pretty ominous, but apparently victory eluded them because they get too easily bored during the battle and wander off because they lacked motivation and inspiration. This leads us to a cell animated vignette with a couple of Black Wolf soldiers. These aren't magical creatures. Presumably these are mutant humans because they're in uniforms and porcine gas masks. Little nod to Black Sabbath's war pigs there for sure. Oh, oh, this is the notorious they killed Fritz bit. They killed Fritz! Those oh, lousy, stinking yellow fairies! Uh, this is uh, probably, actually, I'm going to guess it's Ralph Bakshi making a very thinly veiled complaint about the poor reception of his earlier, very adult animated feature, Fritz the Cat. This is an X-rated animated feature from <laughs> 1970 or 71 or something. Anyway, just so you know, I have family who are closely involved with Zap Comics. Um, remember you mentioned Reading Zap? Well, one of the founders yeah. was S. Clay Wilson, who was one of my dad's good friends. And then my stepmom and he were hooked up all through the 70s, and then she split with him. But anyway... Um, uh, like they they knew Robert Crumb, and the conflict arose from the adaptation of Crumb's Fr Fritz the Cat comic into the film. It's all a bunch of drama. Everybody knows Robert Crumb was hard to work with. I mean, even contemporary people. There's a lot of people who say Robert Crumb is just a very difficult creative partner. He is a freak. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's subjective. The term subjective, but <laughs> long, you know, he's he's also a creative genius in a lot of ways too. But anyway, Bakshi actually voices the character Fritz here. Although he goes uncredited. Um, and I actually, I think this is a pretty funny little piece of sketch comedy. However, out of place it might seem in the overall narrative of the film. Um, anybody who wants to find it, just look for uh, They Killed Fritz Wizards on YouTube and have a little chuckle. It is really funny. Once this piece is over, we're back to the still image pastels with narrative exposition. Black Wolf sends his minions to dig up artifacts from the radioactive ruins. 10 million years in the future, there wouldn't be any artifacts left, just a strip of dirt in the fossil record, but hey, this is fantasy, right? What she uses to recreate the equivalent of the WW2 war machine. Tanks, fighter planes, bombers, machine guns, and a secret weapon. In the, in grim, the grim darkness, darkness of, of the far, far future, future, there is, there is only, only war. war. But we don't find out what the secret weapon is yet, because we cut back to the chamber in the glands of Tower Phallus. As Avatar concludes his monologue, Necron 99, who's now standing on the terrace, casually machine guns the president. Kill them dead. It's the Scorch motto. Avatar subdues the assassin with some right flash magic and shit. 
And Eleanor rips and tears at the body in what is supposed to be some kind of simultaneously infantilize and sexualized rage or something. Weehawk shows up just a bit too late, sword limp in hand, and cops to failing everyone. Well, Weehawk, you ain't wrong. You just flaccid. I swear this has never happened to me before. It's never happened. <laughs> a flashing red light leaves the corpse of Necron 99 and floats across a bunch of, frankly, awesome Ian Miller backdrops, meaning, presumably, Necron 99's electronic soul is headed back to Scorch, where it's picked up by a bank of computers monitored by Larry the Mutant Lizard Person. Larry becomes very excited and leaves for Black Wolf's throne room. Black Wolf is seated on its Skeletor throne, which is mounted over a giant glowing red swastika. As he magically makes a pair of skulls dance for his amusement. Subtlety be damned. Just in case you still weren't sure who the villain of the piece is. I guess subtlety is for cowards. Huh, Ralphie? Larry the Mutant Lizard person schleps in to tell his master that the death of Necron 99. This is all according to Black Wolf's evil plan, trademark, to assassinate the president of the free states. Wait, what happened to Montagar? Black Wolf. Is this like the UK? Like <laughs> UK, Britain, British Isles, Scotland, England. Like you don't know what's what. Is that what's going on here? Don't worry, nobody knows what to call it. We just refer to anybody from there as a North Atlantic Islander. <laughs> Black Wolf exits. Yes, he hisses every S, just to make sure you know he's evil, just in case you somehow missed it to oversee the production lines churning out war machines and gloat some megalomaniacal monologue. As Black Wolf does the supervillain thing, Larry the mutant lizard person helps himself to big hunks of flesh from a carcass hanging nearby, on which is engraved a Star of David. Fuck. Really? I guess even 10 million years in the future, anti-Semitism is still a thing. Yeah, that, that tracks. I mean, they, they really want you to know that there are some themes here, and in case you missed it, they're alluding to certain persons from history. You might not have caught it, but there's actually some subtle symbolism going on with swastikas everywhere. Oh. You well, mean Hitler? Nazis? <laughs> no? What? Maybe? Hmm? It's subtle. It's so subtle. After another... So subtle. We barely notice it. <laughs> Subtlety! Subtlety! After another sketch comedy bit between a couple war pigs, Black Wolf assembles his army to give them a speech. The cell animated war pigs, orcs, goblins, mutants, and demons are joined by hastily rotoscoped stock footage of Crusader Knights, Zulu warriors, and for some reason, a spooky organist belting out some minor chords. I think that might've been from the original like uh, silent film version of Phantom of the Opera, actually. I think I recognize that one. Yeah, and I think the footage was probably ripped off from El Cid and Shaka Zulu. I think there's there's more than a couple of mainstream films. That I think I footage from. I think I recognize some footage from uh, the Vikings too, which was that uh, old um, Ernest Borgnine and uh, Kurt Douglas Viking movie. Was oh, it the one where he says, "I'm not an animal"? That's right. No, that's, that's Spartacus. Yeah, I don't recognize Spart anything because yeah, right. this whole thing is fucking confusing. You, you, don't, you don't need to worry, though, because I'm sure the original creators of all of these works will be fully mentioned in the credits and given the, the appropriate recompense for all of this. Oh, yeah. oh, of course. The most compelling things about this are the backgrounds by Ian Miller, when they get used at least. 
because most of the rest of the backgrounds are stock footage close-ups of dry ice clouds. Stick some steam in. Stick some steam in there for the background. You don't have anything for this bit. Put some steam in there. It'll be fine. <laughs> Black Wolf Izaps a couple pixie hostages into running the hand-cranked dynamo of his secret weapon trademark, which is apparently just a movie projector and shows tinted stock footage of old Nazi propaganda films. They just show them movies. Yes. Haven't we established the deleterious effects of Cinemania? No. Actually, what are we... What are, what are, Moving on. Is it a magically enhanced movie projector? Do the pixie slaves make it more magical? However it works, it whips Black Wolf's minions into a frenzy. The Tolkien-esque map that appears next shows the advancing arrows, which presumably mean Black Wolf's army is finally making some strategic gains. We cut to... How did it get back in here? Way to guard the door, guardian of the door. I'm not your fucking doorman. Oh, Clarky, yes, yes, who's your good buggy? Who's your good buggy? Want your bone now? Yeah, yeah. Want your bone now? Is you good? Is you good? Yeah, is you good? Yeah. The men from before, they're back, and this time they've got some bulldozers with them. Bulldozers? Surely you can't be serious. Hey, I'm serious, and don't call me. Shut, Shut up! Bulldozers, huh? I know just how to handle this. Quick, everyone, put on your robes and grab the towels. Cinemania Society was written, produced, and performed by Andrea Palladino, Andre Luke Martinez, Andy Slack, Zachariah Burks, Hope Bravo, Daniel Scribner, and Ethan Ireland. Produced, mixed, and mastered by Ethan Ireland and Andy Slack. Graphic design by Andy Slack. Music by Carl Casey at White Bad Audio. Dr. Benway Operates was excerpted from Naked Lunch by William S. Burroughs, copyright 1959. Visit our website at thecinemaniasociety.podbean.com. We'd like to hear what our listeners think, so if you have feedback about our show, suggestions for movies you'd like us to review in Season 2, just want to say hi or leave snarky comments, you can check out our social media feeds. We have a Facebook group, we're on Twitter at TCS underscore Cinemania. And you can join our subreddit at r slash the Cinemania Society. If you really like what you heard, you can visit us on Ko-Fi to throw us a few bones. We love to make fun stuff for folks, but maintaining a podcast sure isn't free. Anything and everything helps. The Cinemania Society is a production of the Cinemania Society, LLC.